good evening. It is July the 23rd, and we have some baseball news. Let me say that again. Let that resonate. We have some baseball news. MLBPA owners clear final hurdles. Players are set to report to camps starting July the 1st. Baseball is officially back. The Major League Baseball Players Association and the league ironed out the final details on Tuesday ahead of a return to play. One that will see players report to camps by July 1st and play a 60-game season starting July 23rd or 24th in empty ballparks. The last hurdle, an agreement on health and safety protocols, was cleared Tuesday night, some three-plus months after spring training was stopped due to the coronavirus pandemic. All remaining issues have been resolved and players are reporting to training camps, the union tweeted Tuesday night. The regular season schedule will feature both divisional and interleague play for which teams will play only within their corresponding geographical division to mitigate travel. The league also said the majority of teams are expected to conduct preseason training in their home cities. Each team will play 10 games against each of its four division rivals and four games versus each of the five clubs in the corresponding division in the other league, according to details obtained by the Associated Press. A team is scheduled to make only one trip to each city it visits in MLB's shortest season since 1878, a schedule of such brevity that some fans might question the legitimacy of records. The New York Yankees and Los Angeles Dodgers reopened as 72 favorites to win the World Series title, according to Caesars Sportsbook. The Houston Astros are third favorites at 11-1. Major League Baseball is thrilled to announce that the 2020 season is on the horizon. MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred said in a statement, We have provided the Players Association with a schedule to play 60 games and are excited to provide our great fans with baseball again soon. Today's agreement marked the end of a lengthy and often contentious battle between the sides. On Monday, the league's owners voted to implement a 60-game season that would begin around July 24th. After the vote, MLB asked the union whether players would be able to report to training camps by July 1 and whether the union would agree on the health and safety protocols. It remains to be seen which players will report back to work. High-risk individuals are allowed to opt out and still receive salary and service time, but others who sit out get neither money nor the service credit needed for eligibility for free agency and salary arbitration. After nearly three months of fruitless negotiations, MLB opted to use the right given to it in the party's March 26 agreement to impose a schedule of its desired length. By choosing a season of 60 games, the league will pack in about as many games as it can through September 27, the league's self-imposed cutoff for the regular season to end. Additionally, the 60-game season could serve as a buffer against a grievance by the MLBPA, which in the case of a 
potential implementation has been expected to charge the league with not fulfilling its duty to complete as full a season as possible. The league could file a grievance against the union as well. Under the imposed season, players will receive the full prorated salary of their salary, prorated share of their salaries, about 37% of their full season salaries and around $1.5 billion total. The postseason will remain at 10 games. Players will not receive forgiveness on the $170 million salary advance they receive as part of the March agreement and will get no money from the postseason. Players will not agree to wearing on-field microphones. Teams will not wear advertising patches on their uniforms. In a twist, the sides expanded the designated hitter to games involving National League teams for the first time and instituted the radical innovation of starting extra innings with a runner on second base. Playoff teams remain at 10 for now. There is still talk of a possible expansion. The rejected deal had called for 16 teams. The trade deadline will be August 31st, and the deadline to be in an organization for postseason eligibility is September 15th. Teams can resume making trades Friday, when rosters will no longer be frozen. Active rosters will be 30 during the first two weeks of the season, 28 during the second two weeks, and 26 after that. They will not expand to 28 on September 1st as originally intended this year. With no minor leagues, teams will be allowed to retain 60 players each, including a taxi squad up to three players from the taxi squad can travel with the team to a game and one of the three must be a catcher. For the Toronto Blue Jays will play remains uncertain. An Ontario health official said MLB has not submitted a plan that local health officials need to allow the Blue Jays to play in Toronto. So there you have it. Major League Baseball back so get ready to hear those familiar words around July 23rd July 24th play ball in other news Despite seeing two players diagnosed with coronavirus and an assistant coach test positive last week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers players are continuing to hold group workouts at a local high school. The Tampa Bay Times reported that quarterback Tom Brady and several teammates are working out at Berkeley Prep on Tuesday morning despite the NFL Players Association advising against such workouts. Brady was seen practicing Tuesday with Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting, Mike Edwards, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin, and Ryan Jensen. The NFLPA's medical director, Dr. Tom Mayer, says Saturday that players should not be engaged in practicing together in private workouts. 
Please be advised that it is our consensus medical opinion that in light of the increase in COVID-19 cases in certain states that no players should be engaged in practicing together in private workouts, Mayor said. Our goal is to have all players and your families as healthy as possible in the coming months. We are working on the best mitigation procedures at team facilities for both training camps and the upcoming season and believe that it is in the best interest of all players that we advise against any voluntary joint practices before training camp commences. The league office has been made aware of the workouts, as has the NFLPA and the Buccaneers, who officially reopened their team facilities on June 10th. Bucks coaches returned to the facilities June 15th, but players still are not permitted to enter unless they are receiving medical treatment. Everyone associated with the NFL should follow the recommendations and guidelines of state and local authorities and medical experts, including the NFLPA, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy told ESPN. The league is working with the NFLPA to conclude the remaining protocols and finalize arrangements for the safe opening of training camps next month. We have no further comment at this time outside of the statement we released through Dr. Mayer, an NFLPA spokesman told ESPN. Infections in the state of Florida and in Tampa Bay, in the Tampa Bay region, are on the rise. The Hillsborough County government released a public service announcement on social media Saturday featuring Bucks coach Bruce Arians encouraging residents to take precautions just as the state eclipsed 100,000 infections with a record one-day surge of 4,000 new cases. During these difficult times, it is important that we all show we care about our community's health, Arians said in the video. You can spread COVID-19 without knowing it. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Keep your distance from each other. Stay strong and go Bucks. Since Florida's reopening, younger people make up a significantly large proportion, large portion of new infections. The average age of infections is now 37 in Hillsborough County. The Bucks aren't the only team to conduct group workouts this offseason after OTAs and mini camps were canceled because of the coronavirus pandemic. Nor are they the only team to have been affected by the virus, which has infected over 9 million people worldwide and killed 476,376 as of Tuesday morning, with the U.S. reaching over 2.4 million infections and 122,877 deaths. A San Francisco 49ers player who was working out with teammates in Nashville, Tennessee, tested positive for the virus. Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott and Denver Broncos defensive back Kareem Jackson have both tested positive recently. In March, New Orleans Saints coach Sean Payton tested positive for the virus. Broncos pass rusher Von Miller tested positive for the virus in April and told the team's website it's super serious. I know if I can get it, then I know that anybody can get it. I want people to really take it seriously. So there we have 
the coronavirus and the NFL linked and Tom Brady and his crew going against the recommendations. So we'll see how this plays out in time. Okay, in this segment, what we're going to do now, we're going to look at the most exciting player for each top 25 college football team. Now, last year, Joe Burrow was the runaway Heisman winner last year, and it was pretty clear he was the country's most exciting player. But even with Burrow going to the NFL, college football is still crowded with stars capable of delivering edge-of-your-seat excitement on any given play. Here's the most exciting player on each of the nation's top 25 teams entering the 2020 season. Number one, Clemson Tigers running back Travis Etienne. We don't want to shun Trevor Lawrence, but he gets enough attention. Instead, let's put the focus on Etienne, who remarkably turned down NFL money and returns to Clemson for his senior season. Etienne has averaged 7.8 yards per carry for his career, a number that would dwarf the next closest competitor in ACC history. But he added to his repertoire last year by catching 37 passes, too. In fact, Etienne is the leading leading returning receiver on Clemson's roster from 2019. Number two, Ohio State Buckeyes quarterback Justin Fields. The Buckeyes had 10 players selected in the NFL draft this year, which means the team is losing a lot of talent. Quarterback Justin Fields is returning, however, and is entering his second season in Coach Ryan Day's system. Fields threw for 3,273 yards, 41 touchdowns, only three interceptions. Receiver Garrett Wilson could find himself in this discussion, but Fields would be the one getting him the ball. There was no adjustment period for Fields and Day. If they had that much success in their first season together, the sky is the limit for this upcoming season. Number three, Alabama Crimson Tide wide receiver Jalen Waddle. All due respect to Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs III, and Devontae Smith, but Waddle was the most dynamic receiver at Alabama last season. The Houston native is a home run waiting to happen, whether that's catching passes or returning kicks. Rewind the tape to the Iron Bowl and what he did to that stellar Auburn defense. He had four touchdowns and 230 all-purpose yards, including a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Number four, Georgia Bulldogs, wide receiver George Pickens. Transfer quarterback Jamie Newman could blossom into a star in the SEC, but the guy defensive coordinators already fear is sophomore receiver Pickens. If he can steer clear of trouble, he's a big play threat from anywhere on the field. You saw it last year when he led the team in touchdowns as a true freshman. There was his diving catch against Murray State. His sideline catch against Arkansas State. 
and pretty much the entire Sugar Bowl where he won MVP with 12 catches for 175 yards and a touchdown. Number five, Penn State and the Lions linebacker Micah Parsons. Running back Journey Brown is explosive, but linebacker Parsons is one of the few defenders you absolutely have to watch on every single play. You know, of course, opposing quarterbacks will be too. He is strong in coverage. He's also maybe the best run defending linebacker in the country and could easily line up at defensive end on passing downs and dominate there too. Number six, Oregon Ducks running back C.J. Verdell. The Ducks are going to look different without quarterback Justin Herbert, but they will still have one of the best running backs in the nation with Verdell. In the Pac-12 championship game, Verdell put up 208 yards on just 18 carries against Utah, which had a stout defense up until that game. Verdell's small size and explosiveness make him a must-see running back in 2020. Number seven, Gators, Florida Gators wide receiver, Kadarius Toney. Kadarius Toney is often labeled as one of the most electric players on the Florida roster, but beyond a few big plays here and there, the consistency has been missing. When Toney announced he would return for his senior season, the expectations soared once again for two main reasons. Number one, the Gators are losing their top four senior receivers from a year ago opening a major opportunity for Tony to fill the void. Number two, this is his chance to improve his draft stock too. And nothing does that like a big year when the spotlight is on you. Number eight, LSU Tigers wide receiver Jamar Chase. There's no question that the Tigers most exciting player is wide receiver Chase. He was LSU's leading receiver in 2019, outperforming Justin Jefferson, who was the number 22 overall pick in the NFL draft. Chase made easy work of A.J. Terrell, number 16 overall pick in the NFL draft, in the national championship with nine catches, 221 yards, and two touchdowns. The only questions about his productivity are going to come because of Joe Brady's exit Joe Burrow's exit and new starting quarterback Miles Brennan. Number nine, Oklahoma Sooners quarterback Spencer Rattler. Let's not overthink this. Spencer Rattler will make his starting debut in the thick of the Heisman race. 15 to 1 odds, despite attempting just 11 career passes and three appearances before redshirt last season. In high school, the number one dual threat quarterback recruit in the class of 2019 set the Arizona State passing record with 11,083 yards and 116 touchdowns. He has the quickness to be a threat in the Sooners' read option game, too. Number 10, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, safety Kyle Hamilton. Let's give the defense a little love here, too. In his freshman season, 
Safety Hamilton had four interceptions, six pass breakups, and 41 total tackles. He quickly became a name everyone was talking about. And now, going into the 2020 season, Hamilton is primed to be one of the best safeties in the country in only his second season. He could make a big play at any time. Brought some excitement to Notre Dame's defense last season and should do much of the same this season. We will take a break here and we will come back with the rest. So stay tuned. And we're back. Number 11 will be Texas A&M Aggies wide receiver Demon Demas. Learning the ropes at wide receiver isn't easy for a freshman, much less without spring practice. But Demas, number 47 in last year's ESPN 300, is such a phenomenal athlete, the Aggies won't have any choice but to figure out ways to get him the ball. The six foot three, 190 pounder has a vertical leap of more than 37 inches and was a star on the 707 circuit with acrobatic grabs. Number 12, Oklahoma State Cowboys, wide receiver, Tylen Wallace. Take your pick. Chubba Hubbard led the nation with 2,094 rushing yards, while Wallace had 139 receptions for 2,394 yards and 20 touchdowns in the past two seasons, despite playing just nine games last year. For this exercise, we'll go with Wallace, whose explosiveness in the open field makes him one of the country's most dangerous players with 11 career 100-yard games. Number 13, Wisconsin Badgers linebacker Jack Sanborn. Wisconsin has trademarked the inside linebacker missile position, seemingly producing an endless supply of backfield invaders. Chris Orr and outside linebacker Zach Bond are gone, but no worries. Sanborn led the team in tackles and added five and a half sacks and 17 run stuffs. The assembly line continues to produce, and Sanborn should be fun to watch this year. Number 14, Auburn Tigers wide receiver Anthony Schwartz. Schwartz is as dangerous in the open field as any player in college football. Track speed isn't a Femmins with him. He's quite literally a world-class sprinter. And unlike a lot of those guys, his speed translates to football. Watch his 57-yard touchdown against Texas a He had no business shooting that gap, and he did. Despite a thumb injury and the cast that accompanied it, he had 41 receptions for 440 yards last season. If he could stay healthy, and the passing game can expand under quarterback Bo Nix, his numbers could skyrocket. Number 15, Michigan Wolverines wide receiver Nico Collins. This one is tough because Michigan has some young receivers in Giles Jackson and Mike St. Risto, who could end up being standout players this season. Incoming freshman A.J. Henney could see the field as well. 
Ronnie Bell has made a ton of plays for Michigan and looks primed to do it again. But the one who really stands out with the opportunity to make a big impact is Collins. He led the team with 758 receiving yards and seven touchdowns last season. And with Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black both going on the outside, Collins should be a big part of Michigan's offense. Number 16, Minnesota Golden Gophers wide receiver Rashad Bateman. The Gophers had an exciting tandem at receiver last season in Tyler Johnson and Bateman. The two combined for over 2,500 yards receiving and 24 touchdowns. Johnson is gone, selected by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFL draft, which means Bateman will be called upon heavily this season to replicate his production. He averaged 20.32 yards per catch last season, so he is a big play waiting to happen. With quarterback Tanner Morgan back, he and Bateman should have no problem connecting this coming season and putting up big numbers once again. Cincinnati Bearcats quarterback Desmond Ryder. This is number 17. With running back Michael Warren off to the NFL, quarterback Ryder is one of the main centerpieces of the offense. Ryder had 2,164 passing yards to go along with 887 rushing yards, second to Warren last season. Ryder dealt with some injuries last season and had a few struggles, but getting healthy in 2020 and having more experience, he should have every opportunity to excel for the Bearcats. Number 18, Iowa State Cyclones, quarterback Brock Purdy. Purdy blossomed into a star in 2019, throwing for nearly 4,000 yards while also racking up eight rushing touchdowns. He topped 300 yards passing six times, and he threw for five touchdowns against playoff-bound Oklahoma. Only two QBs in the country returned for 2020 after completing 65% of their throws with 4,000 total yards, 35 touchdowns, and fewer than 10 picks, Purdy and Trevor Lawrence. Boise State Broncos safety Kakula Kanaiho. Kanaiho is one of the nation's best prototype nickel defenders. He combined for 11 tackles for a loss with seven passes defensed and nine run stuffs last year. Boise State might lean even harder on Kanaiho and linebacker Riley Wimpy to be the chaos agents while a rebuilt defensive line finds its footing. Iowa Hawkeyes wide number 20, Iowa Hawkeyes wide receiver, Hamir Smith-Marset. Smith-Marset makes you wish that just for one year, Iowa would be a little less Iowa-like and air the ball out a bit more. He averaged 16.4 yards per catch with five touchdowns last year and could easily become Iowa's first 1,000-yard wideout since 2011 if he gets enough opportunities. And he's one of the nation's best kick returners. Number 21, USC Trojans quarterback, Kadan Slovis. Graham Harrell's air raid offense starts with quarterback Slovis, who will be entering his sophomore season. 
In 2019, he threw for 3,502 yards, completing 72% of his passes for 30 touchdowns and 9 picks. Despite the departure of Michael Pittman Jr., the Trojans will bring back last year's number two receiver in Tyler Vons, who had 912 receiving yards last year and should see more production in 2020. Number 22, North Carolina Tar Heels wide receiver, Daz Newsom. The focus on offense is on quarterback Sam Howe, but his dynamic receivers are all back, and that is where the excitement starts. While it is hard to choose just one, let's go with Newsom because he can make ridiculous catches, and he is the team's most reliable receiver. Not only did he lead the Tar Heels with 72 catches, 50 of them, went for first downs. Number 23, Texas Longhorns defensive back Deshaun Jameson. An all-conference candidate at corner or as a kick or punt returner. Junior Jameson is a threat anytime he's around the ball. Jameson played wide receiver as a freshman and it showed on his leaping one-handed interception against West Virginia last year. One of two picks he had that game. In 2018, he became only the third true freshman in Texas history to return a punt for a TD, 90 yards. Number 24, Appalachian State Mountaineers quarterback Zach Thomas. There's only one quarterback outside the state of Texas who is returning with two seasons of 2,000 passing yards, 20 passing TDs, 400 rushing yards, and seven rushing TDs under his belt. That's App State's Thomas. His dynamic ability as both passer and runner has made the Mountaineers offense one of the most explosive in the country, and his 23-3 record as a starter underscores how tough he is to stop. And number 25, Baylor Bears, wide receiver Tyquan Thornton, Denzel Mims and Chris Platt are gone, along with their combined 308 catches for 4,912 yards, career yards. As a sophomore, the 6'3 Thornton provided QB Charlie Brewer with a dynamic target, averaging a team-high 17.4 yards per catch on 45 receptions. As a number one threat this year, he'll have a lot of targets in new offensive coordinator Larry Fedora's offense. And there are 25 players to watch on top 25 teams.